there are cities all over this country, all of them trying to keep up with the population growth. As such, many old buildings and factories become outdated and abandoned. These days, there are hobbyists out there who explore these old abandoned places, people searching for that mysterious thrill. They are the urban explorers. Author Big Spook from Reddit's No Sleep Forum brings us a story straight from your very worst fears. You see, when you go exploring the abandoned, you might just find that it's abandoned for a very good reason. Let's see what he found in the factory. If you like this story, be sure to follow and like Big Spook on Facebook for future chills and thrills. That's facebook.com slash bigspook with zeros instead of O's. Prepare yourself for this urban exploration horror story. Some of you may or may not know what urban exploration is. Urbex is basically the idea where you break into abandoned buildings, facilities, warehouses, etc. for the sake of either a good spook or just a genuine adrenaline rush. Since this action is particularly illegal, urban explorers usually tend to go at night. I'm not an ordinary adventurer. I'm also an artist. I've been a graffiti artist for approximately 10 years and counting. But due to recent events, things may be subject to change. So I practically scoured every square foot of my city. I live for this kind of thing. Countless drunken nights involving cigarette butts, empty beer cans, and amphetamines. I'm what lurks in the night while the rest of you are sound asleep in your soft and cozy beds. Don't fear though, I usually do not want anything to do with your wallet or your home as long as you refrain from dialing 911 and you mind your own business, we're cool. This particular location piqued my interest while wasting my employer's time and money looking for new spots to paint via Google Earth. It's such a fascinating tool. It's really revolutionized the world of discovery. Although it takes away from some of the mysterious aspect in a way, it seriously saves me time trying to discover these places manually. About a five hour drive north out of the city, according to the coordinates given and a trip planner. No big deal, I got paid vacation and I could not wait another four days to start my journey. I made the decision to leave sick from work and prepare myself for the drive so I could leave first thing in the morning the following day. Morning came and I've never been more excited to road trip in my life. Stacking paint in the trunk of my car I swung by my local pusher's crib and picked up a little something. From then, I began my long trip. After endless miles of road winding road that followed the curves of the mountain pass, I came to a road that seemed correct according to where my GPS could take me. You can only pinpoint a destination to get you so far via automobile, so I had to improvise the rest. Turning off the highway pass, I pulled up to one of those safety yellow gates that stop cars from accessing the road further. Thanks to my handy bolt cutters, I broke the chain sealing the gate and swung it open. I closed the gate after pulling through to avoid any unwanted attention, 
and I made my way down the steep upward dirt road that went further up the mountain into the woods. God, I drove what felt like an hour down this mundane road. I felt as if I drove any longer. I'd end up in the clouds before reaching the access point to my destination. The path eventually became too rough for my all-wheel drive car to handle, but this was anticipated. I managed to come across an offset where I could pull over and safely park my car. At one point, I could imagine that this road was intended only for diesel engine off-road vehicles to access since the driving conditions were very severe. Then again, I didn't have the slightest clue what I was getting myself into. By this time, it was about 4 p.m., and the sun was starting to descend behind the congregation of trees that towered over me. I could see the warm breath trailing from my lungs and evaporating into the cold autumn air as I hiked the remainder of the way. As I proceeded further up the mountain, I noticed the trees surrounding me seemed to lean over as if they were watching me like a rat in a maze. I brushed it off as a little paranoia due to the mind-altering substances I'd consumed. There I was, greeted by a chain-link fence. Perched across the top of the fence was coiled-up razor wire. This didn't deter me since I always carried sharp wire cutters in my bag. I clipped a hole in the fence big enough for me to easily squeeze through and discreet enough for no one else to notice the security breach. Trekking through the plowed-out dirt road clearing leading up to the facility, two silos stood tall and menacingly overlooked the giant industrial building that sat alongside them. The exterior of the warehouse was a rusted and aged dark burgundy, similar to dried blood. My heart began to race as I drew closer. This place was gigantic. As I approached a metal door, I reached into my pocket and pulled out a cigarette. After taking the first pull, I inspected the door to notice that it was already kicked in. My first guess was that there may have been squatters, which I'm always prepared for, but this was puzzling. Why would there be people holding up all the way out here? The nearest civilization is at least a two-hour drive alone, so I couldn't imagine how long and exhausting the walk out here would be. My second guess was that it's already been scavenged, which would be a disappointment. It's definitely more rewarding to know you're the first human being to explore a place that's been abandoned for probably longer than I've been alive. I double-checked to make sure I had my box cutter and switchblade on me, which I did, and I proceeded through the broken door. The smell of damp, rusted metal and mold ambushed me as I ventured further inside. Tall, windowless walls blocked any natural light from making its way indoors. I reached into my bag, pulled out my headlamp, and turned it on to better inspect my surroundings. I was partly correct on my first assumption. Crude, illegible writing with an industrial solid paint stick was scattered across the walls of the dark corridor. I passed by a few doors which just led into an office, a bathroom, and a break room. Following that was another steel fire door with a sliding bar lock. I pulled the lock mechanism that sealed the door and opened it up. Upon opening the door, a wave of foul, rotten odor came rolling into the corridor from the room ahead. I gagged and wheezed. My mouth began to fill with saliva as I forced the stomach bile back down my esophagus. 
The putrid smell resembled rotting carcass being burned alongside an old tire. I didn't allow this to deter me. I moved onward, and eventually my nostrils became used to the horrible stench. Warm air brushed against my exposed skin as I passed through the threshold of the door as if someone had an industrial heater running. Obviously, this wasn't the case, as there wasn't any power running through the building at all. I found this rather odd due to the fact that it was mid-November at the time, and I was just freezing my ass off moments ago. I don't know why that didn't throw up any red flags at the time. To be honest, I think I tried to just come up with some logical excuse to the significant temperature change. I digress. In the center of the room stood a giant cylindrical industrial pump with all sorts of worn and tattered hoses connected to it. Each hose seemed to trail off into different directions, porting into surrounding rooms through some sort of irrigation system. Surrounding the pump was a conveyor belt that led to a small hole that carried on into the room ahead. This whole thing was fascinating, so in my mind I said to myself, I gotta write my name on it. So I proceeded to climb the structure of the pump to reach my arm out with a can of paint to get to the most visible point possible and make my mark. Upon climbing up to the summit of the large machinery, I peered down into the pump. Light from my headlamp illuminated the idle reservoir. It looked like a residual, thick black tar-like liquid sitting at the bottom. What came off as strange was that it appeared to be in motion, almost as if it were alive. I shook it off and proceeded to leave my moniker on the exterior of the pump. Dwelling on the idea further, I disregarded the notion to find a nice clean wall to paint. Instead, I decided to indulge my curiosity and further explore the factory, starting with following the conveyor belt. The conveyor belt extended through the north and south part of the room. I decided to take the southern route first, as I came from the northwestern corner. Walking along the wall, which the conveyor belt ran through, I found a door that allowed me to traverse over. I was ambushed again by the smell of burning rot, sweat headed down my face as the temperature was now well above my comfort level. The first thing I noticed was the source of heat and possibly the smell, a furnace. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android.
Bright red embers flowed from behind the grated door to the large industrial incinerator. I now became anxious, as there should be no rhyme or reason why this thing should be active, let alone burning whatever it's supposed to get rid of. What also confused me was the security of the thing. It was surrounded by an iron cage that rose all the way into the ceiling. I didn't know what to think of it, honestly. Anxiety turned into fear, and fear turned into panic. I finally made the decision to hightail it out of there. I pulled the door I just came from, but it didn't budge. In a wild fury of horror, I repeatedly yanked and pulled on the handle to the steel door, but my attempts were fruitless. Stepping back, I noticed the hole in the wall that led the conveyor belt through to the previous room that was my way out. The room seemed to get even hotter as my increased heart rate allowed my blood to circulate rapidly throughout my body. It all felt like a nightmare. I scrambled toward the hole in the wall and got flat down on my stomach, army crawling my way through it. My torso made it to the other side when I noticed the sounds of gears whirring in unison. A loud hum, followed by the ignition of what sounded like a generator flooded the room. I felt the electricity pulsate throughout the conveyor belt as the belt slowly started to engage, pulling me back towards the incinerator. Adrenaline and pure survival instinct kicked in as I squirmed as quickly as I could in an attempt to escape my impending doom. It was a difficult task trying to squeeze the body of a full-grown man through a nearly two-foot hole. What made it even more challenging was that the belt was coated in that black, disgusting sludge, which resembled the same substance inside the reservoir of the pump. Luckily, I made it through, rolling on the hard concrete floor, gasping for air. There was no time to rest. I needed to get out of this place as quick as humanly possible. Hastily, I made my way back towards the northwest corner of the room from which I came. I stopped dead in my tracks frozen in shock as I struggled to decipher what was before me. The door, it was gone. The hairs on the back of my neck stood straight up. I could feel all the blood rushing to my head. I sprinted to the adjacent corner, which didn't do me any good. I started to circle the perimeter of the room, looking for any passageway. Luckily, I found a door that I didn't seem to notice before. I pushed through with enough force to take down an NFL lineman. It gave way with easily half the effort, but I wasn't going to take any chances. Before I passed through, I turned to see that not only was the room now starting to be illuminated by the overhead fluorescent bulbs, but the large industrial pump started to engage and the conveyor belt was operating in full function. The door slammed hard behind me and I was now standing in another long corridor. My heart was now pounding hard on my chest, as if it had a warrant for my arrest. This hallway was not dark like the last one. Something had gotten the power running. The building screeched and growled. The humming of the industrial lighting hovered above me like a swarm of flies. Crude scribbles covered every square inch of the walls beside me in an endless pattern, each symbol perfectly resembling the next sequence of illegible text. Following the long hallway, looking for the green glow of an exit prompt, 
I found myself standing in front of a door that stuck out like a sore thumb. Finished wood with a golden handle, the door was in pristine condition. I cautiously turned the handle and stepped inside. The room was also covered in the same scripture. Even the ceiling was completely filled. It was so flawlessly executed, I couldn't help but have a slight amount of admiration for the detail. There was no furniture, but on the wall directly across from me in the center was some sort of glyph inscribed in the wall like a centerpiece. The room itself felt soundproof. It was so silent, I could hear my blood circulating through every vein in my body. The glyph on the wall ahead of me seemed almost as if it were breathing. There was a shut eye that was imbued into the crest of its design. My legs carried me closer as my eyes stayed fixated on its simple yet composed design. Soon, I found myself within arm's reach. My hand extended out and I could feel heat radiating from it as I reached out to touch it. The eye in the center shot open and there was a blinding flash of light. Pain pulsed throughout my entire body and it burned as if I had been tossed into a fire. Within that same moment, my vision started to return. I hadn't moved, but the glyph had vanished, replaced with the smooth dark brown finish of wood paneling in its place. My body spun around, and it almost seemed as if I were in a whole different area. The room looked familiar, but there was no scripture on the walls. It all looked brand new, as if I were thrown back in time to when this place first came to be. The loud machinery pounded through the wooden door head as I made my way back across the room. Approaching the door, I put my ear up against it before turning the handle. Anxiety once again took hold of my body. The growl of something sinister passed by as I was going to open it. This nightmare I had seemed to fall into was getting more terrifying by the second. For a moment, I started to sob. All hope seemed to be lost, but I was stubborn. There wasn't any explanation that my mind could decipher which would ease my distress. The only thing I could do was survive. The sounds faded, and I cracked the door open to peer into the hall. Again, all the writing had been replaced by the polished metal, wood paneling, and smooth concrete floor. I waited for a moment, then slipped out the door and went the opposite direction from which I came. The pipes above gave promise that they had to lead somewhere out of this place. I had no general direction I was heading, other than blindly following the only lead above my head. Proceeding down the hallway, I kept my head on a swivel. The last thing I wanted to do was have an unexpected encounter with whatever creatures occupied this facility. I just wanted to slip out unnoticed and get as far away as I possibly could. After a few turns, the pipes led me down a giant double swing door. I pushed my way through carefully and my eyes widened at the horrific sight before me. The ceiling rose as high as the building would allow. Hanging from the top was some sort of giant chandelier looking device. Countless bodies were attached to it covering every inch of the hanging object, which made it appear as if it were a cocoon of human corpses. 
Each of them hung upside down, dangling from their feet like wind chimes. Their necks were sliced wide open, allowing all the blood from their bodies to drain into the giant collection funnel below. Attached to that funnel were the pipes that hung over me and led back towards the previous room. If I hadn't been so strung out on drugs, I'd have passed out right then and there. I walked around and examined the gruesome harvest when I suddenly heard the swing of the door I came in from. Faster than a leopard on crack, I lunged behind a stack of crates on the other side of the room and hid. Giant hairy hands reached out and peeled off the bodies that had ended their yield of blood and were replaced with fresh ones. I cringed and averted my eyes before I could catch a glimpse of the creature, but I heard the sounds of tearing flesh, followed by the heavy stream of liquid making its way down the pipes of the collection machine. The same sinister growling and gurgling I heard earlier echoed from the creature as I heard the door swing shut behind it. One thing I was grateful for was that I did not catch a glimpse of whatever the hell was responsible for these heinous crimes. If I did, I probably would have dropped dead from a heart attack right then and there. Once I knew the coast was clear, I exited through a door on the opposite side of the room. Blindly, I ran through the next corridor and down a set of incredibly large stairs. It started to get hot, not just hot, but humid as well. Like a small bathroom after a long steaming shower, sweat spewed from every pore in my body as I sprinted into the darkness. Eventually, I was completely surrounded by shadows. Slowing down to a steady walk, I reached up to turn my headlamp on again when I stepped straight through a giant stringy spider web. The web was thick and heavy, nothing that seemed natural to spiders in this region. I scratched and pulled at the strong silk that covered my body. It felt as if I were trapped inside a fishing net. My headlamp shined onto the tuft of web that now laid on the floor. It glowed in the light, the color of ivory, and stretched across the 12-foot-wide dirt tunnel, I now discovered I was inside. The muffled, familiar thumps of the industrial pump overhead caused specks of dirt and pebbles to come raining down on me as I approached the end of the tunnel. I came to a gaping hole just about another 50 feet further and felt a horror so immense that English words couldn't even come close to describe it. The hole was a passageway to a large cavern underneath the factory. Massive webs as thick as rope were spun all around the cavern, entangled between stalactites, wrapping around the sharp structures of calcium hanging from the ceiling like icicles. Surrounding the floor were what appeared to be egg sacks that were stacked like boulders well above my head. Green pus oozed from small orifices like infected wounds on rotting flesh. In the center of the cavern was a gigantic arachnid that nearly consumed the entire area of the cave. Its long legs were curled up underneath its body with its head pointed downward toward the ground. Tubes protruded from its mouth leading upwards into a passageway above. 
Snow-covered fur covered its entire body and head, nearly blending in with the thick, silky webs that surrounded it while it was in a deep slumber. My skin must have turned pale, as pale as the spider's fur. As I stood there paralyzed in fear, I was in the den of something so sinister and otherworldly that my brain could barely comprehend what my eyes projected. That's when I heard it. Weak, muffled screams came from the corner of the den. I crept in its direction as I didn't want to disturb this slumbering beast. The sounds of distress grew louder and more furious as I approached a set of green eyes buried in webs. My heart nearly jumped out of my chest. I pried and pulled on the webs that were tightly wrapped around its captive. The spider stirred a bit in its sleep as I ripped at the thick, silky bindings. I managed to get the webs from around the prisoner's face and I was surprised to see that it was a young girl. Help me. Please help me, she shrieked weakly. The giant arachnid once again stirred in its slumber, and I held my finger up to my mouth, gesturing her to keep quiet. I flicked out my switchblade, and she shuddered a bit in fear. My sharp blade managed to easily slice through the webbing, and soon enough, she was freed. Tears rolled down her cheeks as she wrapped her arms around my neck, and squeezed tight enough to make me choke. She was nearly nude, only clothing she had on were tattered rags that hardly covered below her waist. I noticed a stream of dried blood that had come down from underneath her garments. Within a millisecond of her release, the beast's eyes shot wide open. Its long furry legs extended outward as its torso still stayed locked to the cavern floor. An ear-shattering screech escaped from its mouth as it spewed out blood it had been feeding on through the tubes. The spider's legs repeatedly stomped into the ground with enough force to shake the entire cavern. Stalactites fell from the ceiling, piercing through one of the large egg sacs that lied below. Hundreds of fist-sized spiders came pouring out of the opening onto the floor. Still hanging on to me, the girl went completely limped and nearly dragged me to the floor as the black ocean of hatchlings flooded in. I tossed her unconscious body over my shoulder as I bolted toward the cavern's entrance. A giant leg came crashing down beside me and the force nearly knocked us to the ground. Making a final lunge through the cavern's opening, another leg slammed against the wall overhead and caused rubble to fall, blocking the entrance behind us, as I barely evaded our impending doom. Picking myself up off the now blood-soaked ground that set about an inch thick and rising, I grabbed the girl and beeline toward the stairs. Passing through the collection room and back through the hallway towards the room I emerged from initially, bursting through the door. I sat her down and turned to close the door behind me, a giant appendage with a large human hand squeezed through the door as I attempted to get it shut. I couldn't match the creature's brute strength as it managed to squeeze its head through the opening. The face resembled a man's, but had eight glowing red eyes. Giant fangs protruded from its mouth as it snarled and white gooey slime streamed down from its gaping mouth. Leaning into the door, I grabbed my switchblade and jabbed it 
into one of the monster's eyes. It screeched as it retreated from the opening, allowing me to get it shut and sliding the lock into place. At this point, I was operating on pure instinct. I had no clue why I cornered myself back into this room, but if I'd gone any further, that thing may have ended it for both of us. Looking around the room for any sign of a way out, I got an idea. The glyph itself was only drawn on the wall. Since this dimension lacked the same inscription, why couldn't I just change that? The door behind me began to slam repeatedly. I could hear the cracking of wood as the hinges were ready to give way. From my bag, I retrieved a can of white paint and ran over to the spot where I remembered touching the glyph. Thanks to my creative memory, I managed to recreate the same image I'd seen before. This was a long shot, but it was worth a try since the only other way out of here is on the plane of death. I scooped up the girl and walked over to my design, placing my hand over the open eye I'd painted in the center. In that moment, the door burst open and several of those humanoid spider creatures began to crawl in. Following them were those disgusting hatchlings that came from the cavern. They flooded the walls and spun in little menacing circles as more and more flooded the room. Shutting my eyes tight, praying to any god that may listen for some sort of return, I felt something land on my open shoulder. In that second, my hand became burning hot as it trailed throughout my whole body. Everything seemed motionless. My heart pounding against my chest was the only noise I could hear. As I slowly opened my eyes one at a time, I didn't even notice the spider on my shoulder as it hissed in my ear. A swipe of a hand knocked it to the floor and I brought my foot down hard against the little creature's body, crushing it under the weight of my boot. That's when I realized I was back in the room from which I came. I let out a deep sigh and adjusted the girl who was slowly slipping off of my shoulder not even bothering to look around, I made my way back to the room with the pump and sure enough, the entry door was back in place. A wave of relief flushed throughout my body as I pushed through the door and out into the cold night's air. Leaving the property and squeezing us both through the fence, I stopped and set the girl down against the base of a tree. I sat there for a minute and collected myself traumatized by the horrors I had just succumbed to. Removing my sludge-soaked jacket, I wrapped it around the girl, and soon after she began to regain consciousness. Hey, are you okay? I asked softly as her eyes slowly opened. Her first expression was fear, then as she realized where we were, it changed to relief. It hurts, she groaned, as she wrapped her arms around her lower stomach. I know, we have to go though. Can you walk? She nodded at me and slowly made her way to her feet. The girl was barefoot, so I let her lean against my arm as we took our time getting back to the car. By now, the sun was starting to rise and an orange glow radiated through the congregation of trees. We made the entire way back in complete silence. I had so many questions but I figured it could wait until we both were comfortable. We approached the car. I helped her into the passenger seat. 
After firing up the engine and making our way back towards home, I gave in and I broke the silence. How in the world did you get there? She nodded and shrugged her shoulders, still holding her hands against her lower stomach. Were you hurt? What happened? Why didn't they just eat you like the rest? I prodded, not giving her enough time to answer. I didn't yield any response to my barrage of questions. She only groaned and clenched her stomach tighter as she rested her head against the window. Reluctantly, I didn't push for any more answers, and we continued on in silence. The entire ride, she'd just moan and wiggle around in pain. Never once did she mention a word of what happened to her. I don't know if it was due to shock, or if she just couldn't muster up the courage to relive those experiences. Either way, I felt like it would have been a harsh move to pester the poor girl. Once we got into town, the groans turned into screams. Her nails were digging so hard into her lower torso that blood started to show as they broke through her skin. I already intended to get her to the hospital, but now the anxiety was setting in. Unsure if it was due to the high levels of amphetamines I'd have consumed throughout the day, or the fact that this girl was now screaming at the top of her lungs just two feet away from me. Regardless, I put the pedal to the floor and recklessly made my way to the ER. We skidded into the emergency entrance of the hospital. Within minutes time, I was greeted by two associates rolling a wheelchair out. I unlocked the door and they grabbed her out of the car and took off. In a moment of panic, I made the decision to get out of there since I had no connection to the girl and I'd rather not involve myself with any police or hospital staff. Needless to say, I'm glad I left because on the ride home, I looked over onto my passenger side floor and what I saw made me sick to my stomach. Sitting on the floor was a stream of that thick blood-soaked silky web. A sickening thought crossed my mind that those creatures the ones we encountered in that otherworldly realm. They had more than just feeding on their agenda. I'm writing this to you now as I pack up the majority of my belongings. Whatever happens, I don't want to be anywhere near this place. And for those who happen to be around when those things sinister plan unfolds, well, good luck. Good luck.